0: Hello and welcome to episode Alex Ald of the Cosmic Pointcast. As always, I am your host, Trevor Shackles. With me today to discuss everything that's happened so far in the 2018-19 season is my old Silver Evans and Solid Cutter. Colin, Ka- Colin, how's it Hey,
1: I'm doing alright. Trevor?
0: I'm not too bad. I'm too bad. Uh, I'm definitely glad to have you on. There's definitely a, a lot to talk about today. Uh, this is the first episode of the podcast since the season began and voting, but I always
1: want to hear Twitter Speakers and handle that. Uh, very critical of the citizen, very supportive of Melnick, um, all being uh, urging the citizen to take the video down. So while well, we can't say for sure that's Melnick. It's very unethical. It's very sh- shady, and it's, it's it's a weird way of going about things. But um, giving Eugene giving Eugene Melnick's history of taking the unethical route, and if you look if you read my article in Silver Seven, I go through some of, of uh, his other um, poor decisions I did with his previous businesses like BioVail, his medical company. Yeah. Um. But uh, it's just it's, it's it's gotten to the point where these are the types of things that you kind of expect from Milnick, and that's just kind of the sad reality of the Senators right now. It is such an insane situation, and this is something that, you
0: know, when you think about what could possibly go wrong with this organization, that isn't exactly one thing you think of, but it totally makes sense that he would be behind this, and <clears throat> I don't necessarily know. We We can't prove right now if it was him. Maybe at some point we will be able to, but... We can't prove that it's him, but all all signs are are pointing to it. And even if it wasn't actually him who set up these accounts, like you mentioned, he probably just outsourced it, or somebody within the organization um, did this on on his request, or, or something like that. Because it just it doesn't add up um, for hit, for it to not be him, really. So, uh, like you said, every they all have pretty much the same, um, pretty much similar tweets, and I love that every account had a couple just totally random tweets. I think one of them was like, Oh, it's a nice night for a walk or something like that. And then every other tweet is about the senators and, yeah. and post media and, and stuff like that. So it is just, it, it makes too much sense for, um, sorry. It, it, make, it would make no sense if it wasn't Malik. Um, but yeah, just a really strange situation overall. And like, I've never heard of anything like this, uh, in any other organization, really in, in any sport
1: yeah and uh, also uh, some of them one of the especially the ones that have been removed since removed had also tweeted about some right- wing politics as well, which is something yeah uh, not been outspoken about as well yes one thing I'll also add about the situation is that uh, buying Twitter bots has gotten cheaper and cheaper It's not actually that like not actually a computer intensive process that uh, to be able to create these accounts so it's gotten cheaper and cheaper so it theoretically could have been somebody else it could have been a troll who wanted to spend a hundred dollars to spend and wanted to go hem on the internet, but um, as of now, the most likely scenario would look like the senators. Again, this is all just, uh, it's, it's all just theorizing things, although, right. yeah, it's just, it's just most likely scenario.
0: For sure. Um, anyway, let's move on to some more exciting stuff, actual, the on ice product. Um, so on Monday the Senators called up top prospect Drake Batherson after he lit up the AHL as he he was second in in league scoring, and I think for a moment he was actually tied for first as well. What kind of impact <laughs> do you think he can have this season? Um I, I don't know how long he's gonna stay up, but if he does stay up, uh, what kind of impact do you think he'll have?
1: I mean, me is a huge Drake Batherson fan. Not only is he great with like the media, but of course his play is, is has improved tenfold since when he was drafted. Um, I, I, he he reminds me sort of like a Mark Stone in that he doesn't really have any glaring weakness in that he's just a very smart player overall, and and that that was something that he, even when he was drafted uh, that he was praised for was was his uh, hockey IQ. So we um, see him uh, we saw him today at practice uh, on the top on the top line with uh, uh, Mark Stone and Matt Shane. or sorry not no, Matt Shane and uh, Ryan Dezingle. So I'm sure that will, that will help him out a lot. But uh, to me, he's proven everything he can do in the AHL, similar to like, like uh, what Thomas Schabach did at the, at the beginning of last year. He worked. He's worked hard. He's he's played his butt off, and he and he's 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 earned this call up. He 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 forced the team to call him up essentially. So um, I I think his skill set is there that he can translate to the NHL. Maybe it will take a couple games just to get his footing and to get used to it. But uh, um, given his responses so far to the media, he seems very comfortable in in the situation he's being put in. And I don't know. Hopefully, it it translates to the score sheet. I'll just say for all the Seinfeld fans out there, how could you not like the Drake? I don't know if you understand that
0: (laughs) reference, Colin. But (laughs) Um, so yeah, I coming into the season. Well, actually, let's go back even further. When he was drafted in twenty seventeen, I was pretty low on him. I mean, I know he was a he was a mid round pick, so it was uh, it's not like it wasn't likely that it, those mid round players are going to turn out anyway. But he was a nineteen year old in the queue who had under a point a game, and I don't even think he was in the queue the year before that. So it was a really strange pick at the time. Didn't seem like he he had much of an upside. And then last year, you know, he he ripped it up. He was on Team Canada. Um, I I want to say he had seven goals in seven games. Uh, I think, yeah, he was really good with Team Canada. He had 77 points in 51 games in the queue last year.
1: Yeah, and seven goals in seven games. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: So, and then even coming into this year, like I, I liked him as a prospect, but I didn't, I wasn't putting him in the same tier as maybe Brady Kachuk and Logan Brown. But man, he has blown away all the expectations I have for him this season. I mean, Putting having 20 points in 14 games in the AHL as a rookie as a 20 year old, that is just that's incredible. That's that's something that's pretty rare, and yeah, and it, it's not like Belleville is an amazing team either. They're, they're pretty much average or maybe slightly below below average. Um, he's obviously been playing with Rudolf Spalcer's and Filip Schlappik, who uh, you know those three really complement each other well. So that definitely helps, but it seems like batherson has been the best player on that line. So, uh, like you said, I think, I think he will, I'd be pretty surprised if he just started producing right away in the NHL. Um, but I think it would be smart to keep him up for a while. Uh, I mean, you know, God knows he's, he's probably better than Tom Pyatt and Max McCormick and Magnus Pajarvi and guys like that. Well, so yeah. I, I don't see why he shouldn't be in the lineup. And I'm I'm glad to see that it looks like he's going to be getting a chance in the top six right away. Um, that line you said of uh, who was it, Dzingle and Duchesne, right? Yeah, yeah, Dzingle Duchesne, Batherson. I mean, that that could be a really good line. So I'm I'm really
1: excited, and I think a lot of people are. Oh yeah, for sure. And going like going back to the draft, I was in the exact same boat as you. Like I, he wasn't even on my draft board when, when he was drafted, but uh, he had that major growth spurt. He grew in every single facet, and I think when you look at his, his season last year in the QMJHL, lots of people were comparing him sort of to Francis Perron. That sort of had some people worried, who also mm-hmm. uh, dominated the QMJHL, got MVP and all that sort of stuff in his uh, um, in his uh, double overage year, or in his uh, two years after he was first eligible to be drafted year. And where uh, the difference is that Batherson has really, really done a lot to become a physically mature player whereas Francis Perron still has that uh, uh, still kind of lacks in that lower body mobility. And uh, I think that's something that Batherson is uh, really separates himself from the competition with is that uh, he, he he's uh, um, he, he's physically ready. His uh, smarts are ready and uh, hopefully he can just translate that for
0: sure. And I think that's definitely one reason why it's important not to just scout the stat line, um, see how many points a guy got in a season because A lot of these guys you know they aren't at their best when they're 18 or even 19 years old he's clearly gotten so much better since then so um yeah that that season when he got drafted obviously didn't mean much he's gotten just so much better and uh yeah i i can't wait to see what he's what he's going to do tomorrow for us right now but it'll be today for people listening to this um so i also didn't have super high expectations for brady kachuk coming into the season and same thing with him. He's surpassed probably everybody's wildest dream so far. Is he actually going to be this good moving forward, do you think? Or is he, is he going to regress a bit and not, not be quite as elite as he's been?
1: I think, will he regress? Yes. He's shooting 20% right now. But will he regress to maybe the expectations we had from coming out of Boston University? I think I think he might be still better than what we had expected around him at draft time. Yeah, like if you look, if you look at his shooting percentage right now, it's at it's at 20% this year, and of course that's way too high for for a forward. Unless you're Zach Smith, <laughs> I don't think <laughs> he'll be able to sustain that throughout a whole year. But even the year year before in Boston University, he was shooting six percent. Yeah. So he was shooting unlucky that year, and so um, he he's probably like everyone was pointing to. Like his, he only scored eight goals at Boston University, but. Uh, that You really have to account for the shooting percentage there. So he's probably somewhere in the middle between what our expectations were and where he is. Although, of course, he's a top-five pick. He's he's going to be a great player. He's already shown it. And, uh, yeah, he'll, he'll definitely be a building block going forward. Yeah, I think so, for sure. I mean, I mean if he ends up being a
0: 60-plus point player, which is first-line production, I'll be really happy with that. Um, oh, for sure. He, I don't know if... The, these numbers might have been updated since then, but I, I think I tweeted maybe yesterday or Monday or something that he had the highest expected goals for percentage in the league, and it was it was around like 74% or something. And that's just because he's always in front of the net. When you're, when you're watching him in the offensive zone, he's always there. He's getting really high danger scoring chances all the time, um, and he's getting a lot of just good chances every single game. And if you're getting good chances like that, you know, you're probably just going to get more goals. You're probably going to get more uh, primary assists. So I really like to see that. Um, I think people in preseason were kind of worried that he wouldn't be tough enough and big enough to stay in front of the net. But, you know, he's he's done a really good
1: job of, uh, you know, just parking uh, parking his body right in front of the goalie. Mm-hmm. And he, he was by far the most physically ready player out of, the, out of the draft last year to come. Yeah. So I, I I wasn't really worried about that. And when people ask me what 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 Kachuk's style is sort of like, and I, I, I've gotten a bit of flack for this in the past, but I see he's like Curtis Lazar, if only he took Curtis <laughs> Lazar's good traits. Like, he drives to the <laughs> net, he gets in front of the net, he does everything in front of the net, he 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 drives players crazy in front of the net, and he just wreaks havoc just in that whole area. Um, and and he's making it work. He, he gets the puck, he drives to the net, and he the goalie doesn't know what to do. He, and he's he actually got a good shot. Main. Oh, he's got a great shot, too. And, uh, yeah, uh, the one thing that still concerns me a bit with Kachuk is that he ends up in the box more than I would hope him to, but I guess that's sort of the the nature of his his game. Um, And, uh, yeah, uh, you mentioned his expected goals numbers, and he's been playing a lot with Mark Stone. So Mark Stone makes everyone look good in the stats department, no matter who you are. But uh, uh, you also have to look at, uh, again, last year, um, at Boston University, uh, some some tracking data showed that he had he was also a very good possession possession driver there mm-hmm. as well. So it's it's kind of a weird balance right now where he's really only played with one line, so you can't really really tell what his like real production is. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, yeah, like he said, if if he can be a first line even top six producer, I'd be I'd be really really happy. For sure, and I think that's that's a good
0: possibility, especially just because he's he's only nineteen years old, so. You know, over the next few seasons, he's going to get even better. So he's not going to shoot twenty percent, but you know, even if he's shooting ten, I think he's still going to be a really effective player. Um, so we are, ooh, I, <laughs> I wrote seventeen games into the season, and I, I don't know if that was correct. It might be eighteen, uh, seventeen or eighteen games into the season, around um, there. Yeah, I mean, so that isn't nothing, but it's also still a pretty small sample. Uh, having said that, have any players' performances? change your opinions of them so far
1: um, for me the biggest one is definitely Thomas Shabat the guy has found that extra gear and I know his scoring numbers are off the charts he's got a lot of secondary assists, which kind of inflates that but even just watching his play on the ice he, he's he, he's completely changed around his offensive game he he's', he's uh, it, not not changed but like elevated it to a whole new level um, mm-hmm. he he. He's way more confident with the puck than he was last year, uh, especially in the offensive zone. Um, he He sees the ice extremely well. He's fantastic on the power play. Um, who knows maybe he'll be in Norse contention this year? I, I highly doubt it, but he he's uh, shabbats the real deal.
0: Yeah, no, he definitely is. He um, I know you uh, look at their work as well, evolving wild, the Josh and Luke, the bro- uh, the twins, I should say. Um, On their model, Shabbat was, I want to say, second in goals above replacement and might have even been first in in war. Um, That was last week, so some numbers might have changed. Either way, he was top five in both of those metrics. So, uh, yeah, the underlying stats look really good as well. You mentioned that he had a lot of secondary assists. Um, That's definitely going to inflate things. But, yeah, he just looks like we always knew he had a lot of skill. um, But he's showcased a lot more this season, and he just... He looks like a guy who has really become that number one player. And even if you aren't totally bought into him, you have to at least call him a, a number two, because, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's for sure a top 60 defenseman, and I, I would probably say top 30. Um, and honestly, like with the way he's playing so far, if he can keep it up, he's going to get Norris uh, consideration. I don't think he's going to win it, and I don't think he's necessarily going to keep this toward pace up, but it's it's been really impressive, honestly. Um, but So besides
1: Shabbat, is there anyone else that you've sort of changed your mind on? Um, n- not, ne- not necessarily, although there was one player that kind of did for a little bit, and that was Chris Tierney. Mm-hmm. And like He came into the organization. I kind of expected him to be about an average like third-line center. He scored 40 points last year with San Jose. He's kind of been on the upswing. <clears throat> but yeah, uh, he, he had a really hot start, and now he just kind of really cooled off. Um, he's, he's playing with Bodker, Tierney, and Ryan right now or the three are playing as a line and uh they've been getting decimated by every opponent in the last five six games or so uh just in terms of possession numbers they're they're in they're in the 30 percent range right now and uh um while he may not be able to carry a line like he may have looked like in those first few games i think he's still um again kind of in the middle of 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 the range of like uh maybe a high-end third line center but uh He's been an interesting player to watch so far, just kind of going up and down. For sure, and I think I definitely think some people are a
0: bit too high on him, like kind of penciling him him in as a second-line center. I think he's, you know, pretty much every season he's going to be around the production that Pajot has, maybe a bit more uh, offensive, especially if Mm. this season he can get more than 40. Um, 40 was his career high for last season. So, yeah, I... If you can actually have some good line mates, um, Bodker and Ryan aren't terrible, but like you mentioned, those possession stats are pretty bad. I think long term, if you can get someone like Schlopik or, or Balsers on that third line, then that looks mm-hmm. that looks pretty decent. Um, but yeah, one other guy I, I definitely have changed my opinion of, um, I guess. I'm not as high on him as I was in like the first few weeks of the season, uh, but Max Lojois, obviously, I mean, oh yeah, the, before the season, I think a lot of casual fans had no idea who who he was. Obviously, like as writers, we're we're gonna know who who he is as a prospect, of course. But I definitely didn't think there was any chance he would make the team, and then he just got off to that insane start with a bunch of goals and, <laughs> and assists. Um, since then, he's been playing with Cody Cece, and they have just been dreadful. I think. It might have been you that was saying that. What are they at? Like thirty-three percent or something for for Corsi? It's like something yeah. really low. Uh, so I think that's. I'm going to chalk a lot of that up to playing with CC. I think Lajoie probably isn't quite as good as we thought he was necessarily, but at the same time, he's there's no way he's he's this bad. Um, and you know, CC pretty much anchors every defenseman that he's with so I'd like to see what he can do with somebody else maybe like a Chris Weidman um, or maybe even Dylan DeMello even though I really like the Shabbat and DeMello pairing.
1: Yeah you, you mentioned the, the numbers of CC and Lajoie together and, and both CC and Lajoie performed uh, better when, when they were apart from each other although uh, Lajoie to a wider extent but yeah even if he becomes like a third pairing defenseman this season he's already he's already widely surpassed our expectations yeah. this year he, he was a third pairing guy in Belleville last year of course that, that third pairing meaning he was played on the third pair when he probably shouldn't have but um like one goal last year to what five or six goals already this season it's, it's absolutely incredible to watch and um like great on him for doing that and it looks like he'll be sticking around the NHL for a while for sure and it's nice to
0: know that on the left side, moving forward, there's Shabbat, Wolanin, and Lajoie. And I think those are three guys on the left side you can totally build around. Don't forget Borwiecki. Oh, God, Borwiecki. <laughs> Harper, too. There you go. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Ay, ay. Um, okay, so now let's talk about some of the best and worst performances on the team. Let's start with the best. Who would own three or four of the best, or three the four of the most
1: impressive starts to the season? Uh, well, we've already talked about Shabbat and mark stone's the second one there's really a whole lot more to say there he's he, he's just incredible in every single yeah. way and yeah can't really say much more than that and third star i'd give craig anderson and he he, really? he too has, has sort of surpassed my expectations a little bit he had that one bad game where he got pulled but given the amount of pressure and the amount of shots he's been faced he, he, he's faced so far this season i think it's uh the fact that he's been able to keep Ottawa in some of these games has, even if they end up losing in the end, I think like he he deserves quite a bit of credit in that regard. You know, that's fair. I,
0: I honestly had him in one of the, uh, one of the more least impressive starts, but yeah, he's definitely, he's, I mean, if he stays healthy this entire year, he's probably going to end up first in, uh, in shots against, um, just because of how many shots Ottawa gives up per game. So yeah, there there's definitely something to be said for, you know, having to play in front of a team like this every single night. So uh he's still at a like a nine oh five save percentage, which obviously is not mm-hmm. good. It's below average. Um but yeah, he's he's had some he's had his moments, he's had some good games. Um I would also say for most impressive, um definitely you have to include Ryan DeZingle and Matt Duchesne. Um, Dezingle's up to nine goals and fourteen points in sixteen games. Duchesne's mm-hmm. at uh, 19 points in 18 games. So, I mean, oh, yeah. there were people saying for the first few weeks of the season that Duchene had gotten off to an unimpressive start. I mean, the man's at over a point a game right now. I mean, this is—I don't think he is a point a game player over the course of an entire season. But he's been playing at a point per game since January, the beginning of January. Uh, the first yeah. month and a half weren't wasn't good in Ottawa. But, you know, since then, he's been really good. And, yeah. like, they just they need to re-sign him. They need to re-sign all, all three of their UFA forwards, obviously.
1: Yeah, he's picked up right where he's left off. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's great to see that uh, um, even though he, he's not fully playing on the top line, well, it's kind of a 1A, 1B situation with uh, Stone and Duchesne separate lines, but it's good to see that they have top scorers on both of those lines. For sure. Um, what, what do you think about Dzingel? Do
0: you think, I mean, obviously, I, I think think his shooting percentage was pretty high but already has nine nine goals in 16 games um like do you think he's gonna best his goal total from last season or i mean like do you think he's actually a better player this year or what
1: i think he's about the same as last year um just from watching him on the ice he hasn't really changed much of his games like stylistically he's still that very very fast player who can just blaze down the ice and, and and uh just create a scoring chance there but uh um, besides that, like if you look at, uh, like game scores, a stat they like to use a lot from, uh, from Don Gushishan and, uh, and he, he, ranks, uh, I think third or fourth on the team in, in that regard and, uh, behind, uh, Kachuk and Stone and, and, uh, Shibot. So yeah, he's, he's definitely been on to, off to an impressive start. Um, yeah, not really much more to say than that. I just got to say that was impeccable pronunciation of Dom's last name. That, that was really
0: good. <laughs> I think we also have to give at least an honorable mention to Colin White. Um, he has 11 points in 18 games. The possession numbers, I, I'd like to see them be a bit better. Then again, he has had, he's kind of been up and down throughout the lineup. So uh, he hasn't had the greatest line mates always, but it seems like he's just more confident in the offensive zone. It seems like he's creating more chances. So I'd like to see what he can do. Um, it looked like, I think he was going to play tomorrow. So, you know, if yeah, he is. Back, yeah. Okay, yeah, so that's good. So I'd like to see what he can do with an extended look in the top six. Um, obviously, he, he's uh, he's looked really good with, with Duchesne. Obviously, I mean, he's going to look good with Stone as well. So, yeah, I, if he can end up being a second-line center, maybe a 50-point player, that is huge for this team for uh, c- just considering they they really need that second-line center behind Duchesne.
1: Yeah, and he's using his shot more often too, which is great. Like we we've always known that Colin White had this lethal shot and uh, it's good to see him finally putting that to use a lot more. Yeah,
0: for sure. Um I think he was actually uh one of the one of the leading players on the team in shots, so that's definitely good to see. What about three or four of the most least or is that even no, that doesn't even make sense. Least impressive starts to the season
1: for the Senators. Um I have three players plus a, a kind of player. I have Piat, Cody CC, Mark Korvietsky, and then the backup goalies. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, all four just—they've been—they haven't been able to match the depth of, of other teams. They've been facing like uh, like Tampa and, and Vegas and, and those and those types. And uh, you see their number come over the boards, and teams just start taking advantage. And it uh, puckens up in their zone, and it stays there for another thirty to forty-five seconds, and it, uh, Yeah, it, it, it's been tough for them. For sure. And I was looking at that that same model I was
0: mentioning earlier, Evolving Wilds, and I mean, Cody CC and Tom Pyatt were both near the bottom in the league. Uh, might have been bottom five, but for sure bottom ten. And I mean, uh, it was funny because I think a day earlier, maybe even the same day, I had tweeted that I think a lot of the Senators' problems go away with Getting by getting rid of CC and Pyatt. and obviously like they w- they won't be a good team if they if they stop playing them or traded them or whatever. But they're clearly the two biggest anchors. I mean, they're just I, I think Pyatt was somewhere down in the low thirties for possession, which I mean anything below forty is just absolutely in- insane. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, we had that running gag about. How Piet wasn't on on the ice for a single goal for the entire season. Not even not even just even strength, but power play, uh, shorthanded, anything. He hadn't been he hadn't even been able to, uh, you know, do the do the train on the bench after
1: scoring a goal until yeah. I think it was was it Sunday or Saturday. I forget. I think oh Saturday. Yeah. It was Saturday, and he was on the ice for <laughs> I think seven seconds before then. And no way. He got his first goal. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: that was just insane. I mean, it was seventeen games.
0: Um, he actually was on the ice for I think he scored in the last game of the season last year so but yeah just an insane run I think it was like the third longest run uh, since like 2007 or something like that so just something crazy like that yeah something crazy and and CC obviously is same old same old like terrible results Uh, I mean I, I feel bad for the guy for ragging on him so much but it's it's. I mean, the results are the results, and um, yeah, obviously, like you mentioned, McKenna and Condon. Just yeah, I I definitely feel for them as well. McKenna seems like a super nice guy, and he's he's a good AHL goalie, but just just doesn't belong here.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, he did extremely well in the playoffs last year for yeah uh, uh, in the AHL playoffs last year, and uh, yeah, he's he's getting up there in age. He's he's definitely an experienced veteran. And he'll be there to mentor the, the young guys, like Philip Gustafson, Marcus Hogberg, those guys. But uh, I don't see his role being a- any more than that, really. Yeah, and it's really too bad that, I mean, I'd love to see Gustafson up
0: here at some point. Um, he's only 20 years old, and obviously he still has time to develop. And he did get out, off to a decent start in his first few games, but man, the last few have been pretty terrible. Now he's up to, a, or sorry, down to a 872 percentage in seven games. Uh, to, to start the year in Belleville. So he, I don't know if he's necessarily going to be ready, um, but I'd at least like to see him start a few games because, I mean, clearly Condon and, and McKenna aren't uh, aren't cutting it right now.
1: And Anderson's going to need to break at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Meanwhile, I'm just watching Joel tear of the NCAA. Ooh, yes. How, is he in 97? Is he 21 or what? Uh, yeah, I believe he's 20, 21 years old now. Yeah. And um, he's been an absolute legend for Arizona State University. Finally a ranked team now. 930 percentage. Yeah. Or he's 22, sorry.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, they at least have some options. They have, they still got Hogberg. He hasn't played yet this year. Kevin Mandelay's, uh, who's the other one? Jordan Hollett. Uh, I don't think he had great numbers in the dub, but nevertheless. Um, So as of Wednesday afternoon, Ottawa sits four points out of the wildcard spot and they're second last in the Eastern Conference, which was lower than I expected them uh, when I looked at the standings. What do you think of the rest? What do you think the rest of their season is going to look like? And do you think their long-term outlook has changed at all?
1: No, I don't think the long-term outlook has changed that much. I think if you still look at like the shooting percentage numbers, they're still first in the league. It's always going to start regressing a little bit yep. more. Their uh, underlying defensive numbers are absolutely abysmal. It's, it's either them or Anaheim who are always the last team in the league. In, they passed in- Anaheim.
0: They're dead dead last now.
1: Wow. <laughs> at least in, in Corsi, at least. Yeah, they, they've been that way all season. I think it's just expected goals or Anaheim beats them. Yeah. But, uh, um, and you look at the statistical models as well, and many of them still, or pretty much all of them, still have them in the bottom five. I think Mike McCurdy has, still has them in, projected to be last in the league. But... Uh, When you're talking more about long-term future, I mean, you you can go deeper and talk about the roots of the organization. But if you look just at the players on the ice, um, championship teams are built on that core superstar, and the Sens don't really have that core superstar yet. You can maybe make an argument for but I don't think he's quite at that McDavid Carlson type level. But uh, so whether they'll, it still might be a few more years without the playoffs. So you have to, we'll have to see how things play out. But as of now, yeah, it's just not really looking all that good. Yeah, definitely
0: this season. Um, I mean, their offense has been really good. That's that's something that'll probably regress. Um, you'd have to think their defense is going to get maybe a bit better. I mean, they've. I I didn't actually check this, but I feel like they're still dead last in goals against per game. Um, so yeah, that hopefully that'll also regress in the positive direction a bit. I will say I'm I'm a bit more optimistic at least about the forward group moving forward, and that definitely hinges on them being able to re-sign Dzingel, Duchesne, and Stone. Uh, if if they're even if one of them goes, then that really changes things. Especially if it's like Stone, then I'm a lot more pessimistic. But you know, if you are including those three, which maybe I shouldn't because maybe I'm setting my expectations too high. But if we do include them. They have some pretty good pieces, um, and guys who are already producing. We've already seen Colin White, uh, we've seen what he can do, Drake Batherson, really excited about him, Rudolph's Bowser's Philip Schlappick, Logan Brown's been hurt, but you know, you never know. Um, so they have some pieces, and they're not necessarily all amazing star players. Um, I totally forgot about Kachuk too. I mean, Kachuk's in there as well, oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, like they at least have moving forward at least four top six forwards and then some other guys like Balthuson and Balsers who have the potential to fit in there as well so I'm a lot more optimistic about the forward group than I am with the D they still need a couple guys to pan out like Jacob Bernard Docker or Johnny Tyconic um but yeah I I think I think the forward group you can work with that as long as you add and you know, don't have guys like Pyatt and McCormick in the lineup every single night, which I wouldn't count on.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you could say the same thing about the defensive core as well, to to a lesser extent, obviously, but if you have guys like Christian Moulin and Christian Yaros and, yeah. and Max Lejois now in there as well, again, as long as they keep guys like, like skier or, or uh, Ben Harper out of the lineup. You could even add, add Dylan DeMello to the previous list. He's uh, still, what, 24, 25 now? That's true, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like they have the pieces. They, they 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 can do something in the future. Of course, a lot of it hinges on this upcoming for agent class. But yeah, there's there's potential. But uh, have to see what it, what future holds. For sure. And I mean, like any any conversation we have
0: about the future is always gonna we're always gonna have uh, you know Eugene Melnick in the back of our minds. So it's kind of impossible yeah. not to acknowledge that. But at the same time, I'd I'd like to. You know, not always be worried about that. It's it's difficult not to, um, but yeah. Nevertheless, and now, I'm probably just going to ask every single person this from from now until something actually happens. But what is your sense with the three UFA's, Dzingel, Duchesne, Stone? Like, do you has your opinion changed at all on
1: you know the re-signability of of these guys? Um, I, I think a lot will hinge on Mark Stone. Uh, we we've seen Matt Duchesne already come out and say that he'll be monitor, monitoring that situation very closely. Uh, the latest news we have is that Dorian and Duchesne's agent have, have talked have talked a bit. And we know that both Duchesne and Mark Stone and Ryan Dezingle all really like the city and they like Ottawa, but again, yeah, like you mentioned, you, you can't talk about the team without talking about uh, Eugene Melnick and whether that uh, whole whole uh, relationship is, uh, is is still there at all. Is uh, what will, will probably play a huge decision, and uh, yeah. So Mark Stone is probably going to be the, the first first thing to fall. Um, whether he re- resigns or not will be um, will, will probably be the biggest of the three for sure. And uh, you know, hopefully this
0: infusion in of young players really really changes those players' minds about about the future of the team. Um, I I'm not in their head, so it's really hard to say. But, yeah, lo- losing any one of those three would be pretty devastating. Obviously, Dzingel not quite as much. Um, but still, I mean, they developed him into a top six forward. So that would definitely be that would be a big blow if they just lost him for nothing. But, yeah, all right. Uh, like I said earlier, we, we could go on and on during this episode. Um, but <laughs> we both have things to do. So I think we can finish off there. But before we wrap it up, though, are there any final words uh, for something you want to plug or mention?
1: Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at CudmoreColin, or you can write, follow me, find my writing at silver 7 com. Yeah, that's that's basically it. Oh, and you can also follow at charts. I'll yes. be posting <laughs> lots of uh, goodies on there, where uh, numbers and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, that's it.
0: All right, uh, thanks for coming on, Colin.
1: All right, thanks for having me.
0: As I wrap it up, reminder that you can find the Costa Pointcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, and don't forget to rate and review the podcast on those platforms as well. You can also follow me on Twitter at ShackTS and read my articles at HockeyBuzz.com. And if you have any suggestions for future episodes, let me know. That's all for me. Adios.